Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Uh, Here we go on a Wednesday. It's The Marcus Warren Show, the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Wednesday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello, and happy Wednesday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show or you want to just catch up on anything that you miss, you can subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our Retirement to Rescue game plan. You might be asking yourself, what exactly is that? Well, that is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, you can simply order that by going to warrenwealth.net. You go to warrenwealth.net, you put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. So, um, it is March 1st That's already. Right. Very quick, or the beginning of March, uh, I should say. And um, spring break has started for some. You believe that? What? My daughter's spring break um, starts this week, um, and she's going to Mexico. Uh, my son, uh, spring break. Uh, they're both in college. college One's mm-hmm. in, in, in Loyola, Chicago. The other's at the University of Kentucky. And uh, his starts uh, the second week of uh, March, and he's going out to Miami. So I have, I'm going to have a daughter in Mexico and a son in Miami okay. uh, this month. And, you know, I just think of the shenanigans that goes on during spring break or right. what I par. What I did back in the day in uh, uh, spring break, and um, that's just... Uh, you know, it's called a uh, God playing uh, tricks on me. He's just, uh, it's all get back, it all comes karma, back. Mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I'm going to be that worried parent over the next couple of weeks, but uh, that's because you know that's the way it goes. Been there. I know that's you know. that's that's called that's what karma. Makes it worse. It's yeah. messed mm-hmm. up. Yeah, Let's yeah. get into money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. All right. So I want to start uh, with this. So um, let's talk about uh, a topic that is near and dear to all of our hearts. And that is money, 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 money. Yeah. So specifically, I really want to talk about emotions more, more specifically than, than money, but and how emotions can mess up an individual's investment returns. um, And it does it time and time again. Now, uh, being an expert in investing in finance, um, I also know a few things about uh, irrational behavior. You know, we were just talking about spring break. So I know a little bit oh, yeah. about <laughs> irrational behavior. So let's dive in. So there are four. I always talk about two emotions, but there are actually four emotions that drive the market. The two main ones I talk about all the time are fear and greed. And the other two are overconfidence and impatience. Um, so let's talk about fear. So, you know, when, when we uh, talk about fear, 
we, you know, it's a natural human response, right? But when it comes to investing, fear can be a big issue. Uh, when the market takes a dip, like it always has, and it did last year, uh, our lizard brain basically kicks in, and then suddenly we're just convinced that the world is ending. And, um, oh yeah, the world's ending. And what happens is we start to frantically sell off our stocks and we, or we pull out of the market altogether. But here's the thing. The market is going to do what the market does. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. The market is cyclical, right? But historically, it always bounces back. So if you let fear drive your investment decisions, you're likely going to miss out on long-term gains. So you have to make sure that you have a plan to address the inevitability of when the market goes down and you don't panic. All right. So we talked about fear. Let's um, let's talk about uh, a little bit about greed here. Um, you know what that is right there, dude? Uh, some oinks. Yeah. Oink, oink. Here, yeah. Greed. People get greedy. And that's the sweet siren song of greed and get rich quick schemes. Uh, we've all heard the stories about people who invested in a hot stock and they made a fortune overnight. Uh, and it's tempting to want to jump on that bandwagon, right? But the truth is this, chasing those kinds of return, it's a, uh, it's a recipe for a disaster. Um, have you ever tried to catch a, a falling knife, D? Um, probably. You're right. You know what happens? You're likely Not going good. to get hurt in the yes. process. You're right. That's Not just good. like trying to jump on the hot stock. So you cannot let greed drive your investment decisions. Can anyone say uh, Bitcoin? Hmm. Anyway, um, you, it, when, when you let greed kick in, you're likely to have way too much risk than you can handle in your portfolio. So that's not a good thing. Now, fear and greed, people know about fear and greed, but what I don't talk about a lot are the next two. And uh, the first one is overconfidence. And this is a sneaky one because it often disguises itself as knowledge or expertise. You know, we've all met that, uh, that guy at the party or your brother-in-law, Barry, who uh, he thinks he's the next Warren Buffett because he's watched CNBC for a month. Um, but here's the thing. The market is driven on news. News is unpredictable. Thus, the market is unpredictable and no one can predict its every move. So if you let overconfidence drive your investment decision, that yet is another recipe for disaster. And then lastly, we have impatience. So um, I'm a victim of this. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of those guys who um, if my uh, download speed, you know, if it takes longer than, I don't know, three seconds for something to download. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? And it's, you know, if it take, anything takes over, you know, 10 or so seconds, I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset because we're all used to instant gratification right now. We want our food delivered in 30 minutes or less. We want our packages to arrive the same day. And of course, we want our investments to skyrocket overnight. But the truth is, is that investing is a long-term game. It takes patience, it takes discipline, and a willingness to know that the market is going to do what the market does. It's going to go up, it's going to go down, it's going to go up, it's going to go down. But if you let impatience drive your investment decisions, you're likely to jump off too soon. The one thing I say is you can't let these short-term movements affect your long-term vision or your long-term goals. 
because that always messes people up. One of the things that we try to do in the office is a dollar cost average our way into the market. And that's simply because we know um, how the market moves. And we've had clients who um, sometimes want to put a pause on some of that uh, uh, dollar cost averaging, especially right now because of last year, by the way. And did I mention that last year, yes, the market was down. Mm -hmm. But so far this year, um, as we speak, the NASDAQ is up about 9%. uh, The S&P 500 is up almost 5%. Um, the Russell 2000, which is probably the biggest indicator, 2000 of U.S. companies, uh, that's up uh, this year. But people feel bad that those emotions, they feel like things are down. They hear it on uh, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever they're watching, CNBC, Fox Business. It doesn't matter. They're watching these things and, it, and they're being told that things are bad when in all actuality, if they took a step back and kind of looked at things, at least the way the market is going, at least at this particular moment in time, things have actually started to turn. But People make these investment decisions based on their emotions, and you have to keep your emotion, their emotions in check. You got fear, greed, overconfidence, and patience. They can all lead to poor investment decisions, and they always do. It causes you to do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and you do it all the time. But here's the deal, real quick before we wrap up. Financial success is it's not a hard science. Now, a lot of advisors will, who, who base their livelihoods on acting like they know what the market's going to do, they act like it's a hard science, but it's not. It's a soft skill. Now, how you behave is more important than what you know. See, most of finance and investing, it tends to be taught or communicated like it's math or there's some sort of algorithm. Like if you just have the right data and the right formula, it will spit out all the right answers and then you're set. Kind of like physics, right? But mm, nah, it's not the way it goes. And there's so much evidence. You have the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. You have COVID. You have, you know, really during moments of financial upheaval, you realize that finance and investing is not math. Now, math does play a role, but but it's really just behavior and how people think about fear, greed, uncertainty, overconfidence, impatience, social aspiration, keeping up with the Joneses, all that stuff. That is what makes the biggest difference. Think about this. You'll never find the uneducated uh, country bumpkin Uh, that can perform heart surgery better than a Harvard-trained doctor. But if you compare someone who just dollar-cost averages into index funds or low-cost ETFs and compare them to some of those hedge fund managers out there, there's not a lot of difference. And really, there's not a lot of other fields or professions that are actually like that. Just like I said, you have these planners, advisors, these people who act like they have algorithms because their livelihood depends on them acting like they know. You see, we've been taught um, that in, uh, investing in finance are math-based fields, but it's basically just, can you keep your head on straight? Can you control your emotions and your sense of greed and fear and risk? And do you have a proper philosophy around uncertainty? If you have those things, you don't need much more uh, to do better with your money. 
But if you lack those things, head on straight, control your emotions. You have a proper philosophy around uncertainty. If you lack those things, there is no amount of education that can save you. There you go. Heck, well, if all else fails, invest in Bitcoin. There we go. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, coming up next, we're going to uh, dive into D's Tax Corner and we'll answer some of your emails. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. So we have um, a little Cindy Lauper, right? That's right. Girls just want to have fun. Yeah, they do. <laughs> So the song came out in 1983. Okay. Number two in the U.S., number two in the U.K. There you go. All right. And um, you're playing this for a reason, right? What are we playing this for? Well, it is the first day of Women's History Month. Women's History Month. There we go. Interesting. Didn't know that there was a uh, Women's History Month. I know we just finished a Black History Month. That's right. But uh, didn't know. Now it's time for women. Women, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always time for women in my books. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. There you go. All right. Welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net and you will get a physical packet of information that includes a copy of my two books, some financial reports, access to my webinar that's entitled Taxes in Retirement. You have to protect your money from market risk, inflation risk. All you have to do to get that retirement rescue game plan is go to warrenwealth.net. All right. I think it's time for uh, to talk taxes. We're in the middle of tax season. Let's uh, get into a D's tax corner. All right. Let's go. The tax code has changed a lot in recent years, in case you haven't noticed. If you have an inherited IRA or if you're getting close to a required minimum distribution age, which we'll talk about in a second, then these tax changes will impact you. First, let's talk about inherited or beneficiary IRAs. So this is an account that you inherit when someone passes away and they leave you their IRA. Because that's another misconception sometimes. IRA stands for Individual Retirement Arrangement. Right. First keyword being individual. So you can't have a joint IRA with someone. So somebody passes away, they leave you their IRA. Now, These rules that I'm talking about don't apply to spouses because generally when you inherit an IRA from a spouse, you actually have the choice to make that IRA your own. And if you are younger than your spouse was, that's usually the best move. If not, then you just keep it as a beneficiary IRA. So the rules for non-spouses, like inheriting it from a parent. If I inherit my mother's IRA. Mm -hmm. Yes. Parent, sibling, other family members, friends. The rules have gotten kind of tricky. So initially, the 2019 Secure Act got rid of something that's called the Stretch IRA and introduced a 10-year payout for inherited accounts. So, what, the, so the Stretch IRA was, was, was what? You could. This is when you inherit an IRA, you have to take distributions, but you can do it over the course of your entire lifetime. So if my mother, who is um, older than me, um, hopefully if, yes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I were to get her IRA, I could stretch it over the course of my life that extends it 
out. Yes, which um, reduces the amount that you have to take, take each year. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yes. But the 10 year rule. And that one's gone. Stretch IRA gone. Stretch Kaput. IRA is gone with the 2019 Secure Act 1.0, which says that you have now a 10 year period to um, basically deplete that inherited IRA account. Now, this has major tax implications, like we just said, because you, when you take money out of a tax-deferred account, like an IRA or 401k, it gets added on top of all your other income, and it's taxed at your top marginal tax rate. So if you can't stretch it out over your lifetime, you're taking out more each year, could bump up your taxes, especially if you're still working and earning wages during that time. And, 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 and the idea behind um, at least the making that change, um, instead of you being a, me being able to stretch it out over another 30, 40 years. Right. Now it's been minimized to 10 years. And yes. that's simply because the government is broke people and they want their money. They want it quickly. They want it in a hurry, fast and in a hurry. And that is why they're like, you know what? We're going to need that money in 10 years. We're not going to let you stretch it out over your lifetime. And then your kids can stretch it out over their lifetime. And we get these slow little drips of taxable income coming in. We want to condense that down, get paid now. We're $31 trillion in debt. We need to get that paid down a little bit. So that's what the philosophy behind that. There we go. And now the tricky question, <laughs> the tricky question that came about with this 10 year rule is, can I, do I have to take withdrawals every year or can I just take the withdrawal out in one lump sum in year 10? This has been tripping up tax professionals, financial planners, and even the IRS since the Secure Act passed. But not us but not. here at Warren Wealth Management. <laughs> Tell them what it is. That's right. So many, of course, interpreted this 10-year rule that you could wait until year 10 before you have to take it out. In February of last year, the IRS issued some new guidance that would require beneficiaries to take annual withdrawals in cases where the original owner died on or after their required minimum distribution date. So if the original owner died on or after their RMD date, then the beneficiary would have to continue making those annual withdrawals. If they did not, then you can decide to uh, which year you want to take the distribution out in. Now... The SECURE Act, of course, has made it more important to plan the type of assets that you're leaving to your heirs for these very reasons. If you leave a tax-deferred account or a traditional IRA, a traditional 401k, a 403b, then your beneficiaries have to worry about all these tax rules. Now, most beneficiaries who inherit an IRA from a non-spouse are still at a working age, which means that they already have income. It's adding some more forced taxable distributions on top of their other income. Speaking of forced distributions, just recently we saw some tax law changes related to RMDs, or required minimum distributions, that passed uh, at the end of last year with the second SECURE Act, SECURE Act 2.0. That's right. So, I wonder if there's going to be a Secure Act 3.0, probably. They're yeah, just if they keep... decide to, yeah. And, yeah. and as a reminder for folks who don't know, Secure stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you why that they're, uh, they're, they're just going to start adding on and it'll be 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. Yeah. Because they are very proud of themselves. Oh, yeah. That they thought of that acronym. So good. You know, I wonder what comes so first, good. the chicken or the egg. So they, did they think secure first and then they threw it out there and started spitballing 
acronyms we can come with, the yes. words we can go with, uh, secure, or yes. do you think they s- I said think all that's that? Mm-hmm. Did it just so happen to spell out secure and they were really excited? Setting every community up for retirement enhancement doesn't just flow off the tongue. So it's no. not like a conversational thing that, you know, as we're talking about this legislation, we say that's what yeah. we decide to call it. I think it's first Probably, yeah. they come up with the ac- acronym. Yeah. That's what that's what you end up seeing, and you want to be secure. You exactly. want to feel good, and they were like, "Secure, yes." Government lackey, come up with some words that make it all make sense. Yes, and they went to work, and there you go. So, Secure Act two changed RMD rules, and for those who don't know, the RMD is a required minimum distribution. Um, it starts at a specific age, and um, the rule says that you basically have to start taking money out of traditional IRAs, traditional 401ks at a certain time. Why? Like you mentioned earlier, because the government needs that tax money. Yep. You never pay taxes on those funds, now you got to pay. So the first SECURE Act passed in 2019, it altered existing uh, retirement savings plan systems in terms of RMD contributions to IRAs, 529 plans, and making annuities easier for 401k plan administrators to offer. Secure Act 2.0, of course, expands on these. First uh, change is increasing RMD age to age 73 in 2023. So RMD back in the day was 70 and a half. It was 70 and a half for a really long time. Then it went to 72. With the first with the Secure Act. 1.0. Mm-hmm. And then now it's 73. If you turn 73 as of this year, yes. 2. So for uh, for anybody who might have thought that, who might have been turning 72 this year and thought that they had to take their RMD, you can wait a year. You don't yeah. have to take it until next year. And uh, the RMD age also expands to age 75 in the year 2033. So if by 2033... You, you uh, turn 75 at that time, that's when you have to start taking RMDs when you are forced to do so. Right. Wow. That's the, as, the, as the current law is written. That's right. It's a long time. Secure that's Act like, so 3.0, I know. Just, yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll change like that for 10 years, yes. So some other changes now. Uh, there's, been a, there's a lot of changes in, in this bill. Um, I'm focusing on some of the things that I've really kind of seen in the headlines and might impact... Some of our listeners. So there's been an emphasis on Roth. Um, The bill allows for Roth versions of simple and SEP IRAs, which is for self-employed individuals. Um, The other big thing I've been hearing about is turning 529 plan assets into Roth IRAs. And that sounds like a good deal because a 529 plan is a tax-free vehicle that lets you contribute funds um, that can be that can grow tax-deferred and be used tax-free if used for educational purposes. What a lot of people who have 529 plans um, set up for their beneficiaries come to find is that sometimes all those funds aren't used up for education. Maybe um, college costs aren't as expensive as, thought, as they thought or whatever the reason might be. So now these funds are just left in there. And if they're not used for educational purposes, then you got to pay taxes on it. So it loses its tax free, um, uh, tax freedom. But this secure act 2.0 allows you to change the 529 plan funds or actually convert some of them into a Roth IRA without it being a taxable event, keeping its tax free status. There are of course, a lot of rules. Yes. I think the max is what 35,000 is what you can move over. Well, like the that. max lifetime. is the, is, um, yes. Um, yes. And then the, of course, annual lifetime is just whatever the Roth IRA contribution limit is. And the other big yeah. caveat is the beneficiary of Always the 529 
yes, it, it can only go to the beneficiary of the 529 plan. So if you want to change it, the beneficiary you to can, yourself yeah. from your child, you, there's a yeah. actually 15 year time period that you have to wait before it counts as your own Roth IRA. There you go. A lot of, uh, a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, I, I mean, the secure act, um, when you, when, when you look at most of the changes, um, it doesn't affect as many people as you think it would. Um, you know, they rolled it out like it was a, a huge a deal and it is for, for, for some, uh, but for a lot, um, a lot of these things, um, aren't applicable, but nevertheless, you know, the government's out there trying to do something, which is you know, a change these days. Yeah. You know what I mean? There you go. All right. Coming up next, we are going to jump into your emails. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Looks like we're keeping the girl theme going. That's the right. women's, since it's Women's History Month. Sure is. Which rolls into International Women's Day, right? Yes, it does. This is Alicia Keys, of course. Girl on Fire. Uh, came out uh, in 2012. Such a good song. Number 11 in the U.S., number 5 in the U.K. Just Number uh, 1 in my heart. Yeah, there you go. All right. All right, um... Let's uh, let's keep moving here. So, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That is warrenwealth.net. That retirement rescue game plan. That is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risk that threatens your nest egg. We're talking about market risk, inflation risk, and most importantly, tax rate risk. You got to protect your hard-earned money. From the IRS, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.com to get your free retirement rescue game plan. All right, now we are going to... Uh, warrenwealth.net. Warrenwealth, what did I say? I think you said .com. I did? Yes, warrenwealth.net. Warrenwealth.net. That is why I have you here. Let's get into some emails. Yes, it's email, email time. Time to check the mail. Hey, listeners, if you have a question for Marcus, just visit the website, warrenwealth.net, and click on the Ask Marcus button to ask us your question. If it's a good one, it might be featured on the show. First question today is from Stephanie. She says, what am I missing about tax loss harvesting? She said, I've seen so many people talk about taking advantage of the markets being down to harvest some losses. She says, how does this work? Is this something I should do? Um, well, uh, Stephanie, so um, tax loss harvesting, um, it can be thought of um, as like a financial game of, you know, take one step back and then you take two steps forward. Um you know, kind of like in a game of chess where you have to make a sacrifice in order to gain an advantage later on. Uh, tax loss harvesting, it involves... That's what those pawns are for. That's right. And in, <laughs> right. And, and your pawns in this are, are your stocks that have lost value. And it basically involves selling an investment that's decreased in value in order to offset the gains from other investments. Um, now, by doing so, you may incur a temporary loss, but you also get to harvest that loss 
and use it to reduce your overall tax bill. So like I said, it's like taking a step back by selling a losing, losing investment, but then taking two steps forward by reducing your taxes and freeing up more money to invest in the future. So um, tax loss harvesting, it, it sometimes it is a good idea. I would work with um, a good fiduciary advisor, a good tax advisor, um, but it is a strategic move that can help you win uh, the long-term game, if you will, of uh, building uh, building wealth. I definitely think import, it's important to work with someone um, because, first of all, there is no tax loss harvesting in IRA accounts, for example. That's right. So you don't want to think you can try to harvest some losses and it'll help you on your taxes, not in, inside an IRA. And that's a good point because remember, um, the money within your IRA, and really most people have their, their money saved in IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, company retirement plans, um, these tax deferred accounts, right? And then these tax deferred accounts, um, what we just talked about, this tax loss harvesting, it doesn't work because you can buy and sell with impunity and within the IRA and not have to pay taxes because it's being deferred. The only time you pay taxes um, with any kind of tax deferred accounts, 401ks and IRAs, is when you pull that money out, when you take it out to spend it or do whatever, that is when you pay uh, that tax. But when we're talking about tax loss harvesting, that is when you have money outside of a company retirement plan and you implement that strategy. Yes. Yep. And also watch out for wash sale rules. And also don't well, forget the capital you're loss. talking above yes, everybody's Exactly. That's why you got to work with a tax professional. Exactly. Like we are here. All what, right. What else we got? Let's talk to Dan. Dan says, I was planning to retire earlier uh, early next or, or earlier this year at age 63. He says, I don't want to start Social Security benefits yet because if I wait until 67, I'll get almost 800 more dollars each month. Will I be okay if I drain my IRA hmm. until age 67? Or should I work a little longer? So he's asking when to take Social Security. And if he should drain his and IRA. To drain his IRA before he does um, that. Yes. Well, Dan, it's like this. So when we talk about Social Security, um, most people look at the three ages, so to speak, that you can take Social Security. And you can take Social Security as early as 62. You can take it at full retirement age, which... For most people, it's right around 66, um, and then you can wait and push it and take it as late as 70 years old. So let's talk about taking it early um, at 62. So at 62, you can take it early. However, you're not going to get all of your benefits, right? You're not good at getting your full retirement benefits. You basically are going to get 70 cents on the dollar, Dan, if you take it at 62, if we take it early. Now, every year after that, I think you said you're 63. Every year after that, it does go up incrementally up until you get to full retirement age. So you have to keep that in mind. If you take it early, um, you're not going to get the full benefit. Now, if people need the money, um, then you just, you know, you're going to have to take it uh, before full retirement age or, or early. That's just the way it is. We know how, how life goes. Matter of fact, my mother took Social Security early, so um, I understand why people uh, may may have to take it. Now, 
if you wait until full retirement age, which for most people is right around 66, so we'll use 66. Um, um, they did bump that age up to, to 67, but we'll use 66. That's when you get 100% of your benefit, whatever your full retirement age, age is, 66 in two months, 66 in eight months, whatever that is, right? And that's when you get 100% of your benefit. Now, if you don't need the money at that time, and say you got, uh, so, so you got a, I'm sorry, say you got a pension coming in, and you've saved pretty good in your uh, your company retirement plan, your IRA, your 401k, and you don't need to take it, then you can uh, push it out and wait a little longer until you're 70. Now, in the meantime, what happens if at, after full retirement age, Dan, if you have not taken it and you decide to wait each year until you're 70, you get an 8% bump, right? And so you get 100% of your benefit at full retirement age, if you wait until 70, say you're supposed to get it at 66, if you wait until 70, that's four years of an 8% bump. So you'd be getting a 132% benefit if you waited until 70. And I think you said that uh, you'll get $800 more. Um, no, you said you, you actually mm -hmm. said $800 more if you wait till full, full retirement, retirement age, age versus taking it early. But you mm -hmm. would even get more than that if you waited till age 70. Now, if you can't wait till age 70, that's good. Um, most people don't. Actually, most people, actually, statistics show they take it earlier than mm -hmm. full retirement age. Um, but uh, if you can't wait till full retirement age, I would do that. The one thing I would be cautious of doing is draining your IRA. That's probably not a good idea. I don't know how much money you have in your IRA. Maybe it's not that much where, you know, you've done the math and you're like, if I take this amount out, it's going to be gone by the time uh, social security kicks in. But, um, you know, I would, uh, potentially, and I always, I always recommend, you know what, if you can work a little bit longer, health-wise, peace of mind-wise, as far as income versus expenses, um, I would always recommend working a little bit longer um, if you want to, uh, where you just have more of that cushion so you can take Social Security at full retirement age, get 100% of that benefit, and then you still have your IRA to supplement, and that tends to work out uh, a lot better. But like I always say, uh, I would work with a good fiduciary advisor uh, who can help you make those decisions. Of course, here at Warren Wealth Management, uh, we are fiduciary advisors, investment advisors, and then also uh, tax specialists. So we do it all under one roof, which benefits our, our clients. All right, I think we could have got time maybe for one or two more. What else we got? Let's go with Mike, who says, how do I know when I have saved enough to retire? He says, I had planned on retiring in 2022, but decided to work a little bit longer Good. because of the crazy stock market. Yeah. Now my retirement accounts are down. And he says, I think I need to continue working. How do I decide when it's finally time to retire? I always say that, that retirement is uh, not so much a function of uh, that end number, that nest egg number. Because people always ask me, hey, Marcus, uh, uh, is $500,000 enough? Is a million dollars enough? What, what's enough? And really retirement is a function of income. Income that's going to last as long as you do and then income that can increase with inflation. And so um, it's a function of what you have coming in versus the expenses that you have going out. And so I have uh, met people who have pretty big nest eggs, but they have a, a lot of expenses and uh, that income that they're going to get from their nest egg isn't going to cover a lot of those expenses. And on the flip side, I have um, uh, clients who you would say they don't have big nest eggs, 
But what they have is maybe a small pension. They get Social Security and their expenses are low. And so the money that they're, they're taking from some of that from that nest egg, they don't have to take as much because their expenses are low and they are comfortable and they're able to do what they want to do in retirement. You got to think about this rate of return each year is more important than average rate of return when you're retired. So, um, you know, when you look at that average rate of return uh, numbers that those companies put out there, hey, we've averaged 8% over the last 10 years. That's not important when you're retired because that 8% over those 10 years, there could have been a year that they were uh, uh, up 15%, but then there's years when they're down 15 or 20%. And when you're retired and taking money out, that is important. Um, and that's why rate of return each year is important. And then you're realizing that simply because you're asking the question, you're like, hey, I was going to put off retirement, but now the next year my account is down. Now do I have to work longer? And that, my friend, was named Mike, mm-hmm. that depends on your specific situation and what expenses you have. If your income that's going to spin off uh, from Social Security and your IRAs can accommodate your lifestyle, then... Um, you know, I would suggest that you, you know, sit down with someone and, and, and I think you'd probably be okay and you'd probably be okay in uh, retirement. But like I always say, it's a function of income and you need to sit down with the good fiduciary advisors. Oh, and by the way, you know what we are? Good fiduciary advisors. Anyway. All right. That's all we got. Thank you, D, for that email and reading those emails. Coming up next, we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. Sticking with the theme. That's right. <laughs> Just a girl. Oh, wait, this is um, Gwen Stefani. Yes, it is. Well, it's No Doubt. It That's when no she was doubt. with No Doubt. Mm-hmm. So this song came out in 1995. Okay. 23 in the U.S. What? Three in the U.K. There we go. I know it's up in the U.K. Celebrating the start of Women's History Month. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, coming up International Women's Day. That's what we do here at Warren Wealth. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net, and you'll get a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the threats. We're talking about inflation risk, market risk, but more importantly, tax rate risk. You have to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. You'll get a copy of my two books, a few financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Retire Tax-Free. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net. All right, it is time, people, for the news you can use. Well, retirement account balances in 401k plans lost about 23% of their value in 2022. This is according to a recent analysis by Fidelity. The majority of retirement savers still continue to contribute as they should because when the market's down, your dollar cost averaging your way back up and you've got to save for retirement. The average 401k contribution rate, including employee and employer contributions, mostly held steady at about 13.7%, which is uh, just below... A suggested savings rate of about 15%. Um, and despite, of course, inflationary pressure that's 
facing most households. Only 16.7% of plan participants had a loan outstanding from their 401k at the end of the year. This is just Fidelity plans. Separate analysis from Vanguard also found that the average 401k balances fell about 20% in 2022, and hardship withdrawals went up slightly during the year. Makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, obviously when the market drops, um, retirement savers, they seek uh, more uh, safety within their 401k. K plans, and then mm-hmm. of course, they end up regretting it later because yes. it's just like you said. Um, you know, retirement plan if you're in it for the long haul, um, if you are still, you know, 10 plus years away from retirement, the market generally does bounce back. I was talking about it earlier, that fear sets in, yes, and um, you know, statistics always show that, um that uh, the outflows of money of stock funds comes when the market is down, right? Yes. When the market's down, that's when you see the outflows of these stock funds within these retirement plans and people move towards, you know, more safer investments, whether it's bond funds, although bonds were, were down uh, uh, also it's a weird year last, last year, year. Mm-hmm. but you just see it. And people, what you're supposed to do is buy low and sell high. But when that fear kicks in, you tend to do the opposite. You tend to buy high and then you sell low, which puts you in this perpetual cycle of what of the wrong thing that you're supposed to be doing. You can't do that. And it's unfortunate because people say it all the time, um, you know, that they're they think that they can take on or they're allocated correctly, they can take on more risk when the market's going up because they feel good. But then we see it time and time and time again. People do the wrong thing at the wrong time, and they do it all the time because of those emotions. That's a good indicator that you don't even have a plan. I mean, like you said, people, everybody can tolerate all sorts of risk from 2008 all the way through the last couple of years when the market was going up and up and up every year. Um, but you, you mentioned this earlier um, when you were answering a listener question. Um, when it com- when it, when you're in retirement or when you're getting closer to retirement, it's not about the average rates of return that you've experienced over periods of time. It's about each individual year. And so if we have a down year like last year and, and your retirement account balance is now down 23%, like a lot of people face, then yep. now, now you're faced with the decision of, well, man, I was planning to retire in 2022. Now I'm down. And all that means is that you didn't plan ahead because you shouldn't be overexposed to the market if you are that close to retirement. And most people don't because most people plan more for their summer vacations than they do for their retirement. Unfortunate. All right. What else? Okay. Well, if you want added security, more identity protection, or the ability to boost your reach on social media, be prepared to pay for it. Meta Platforms recently shared plans for Meta Verified, a monthly subscription service offering greater security and visibility on Facebook and Instagram. It also includes enhanced customer support. If you've ever tried to get customer support from Facebook, you've learned it doesn't exist. So maybe now they're enhancing it for the people who pay for Meta Verified. Of course, Twitter announced Twitter Blue, a paid subscription service. And Snap Inc. also uh, last year introduced a paid tier. So social media users will have to take a step back and evaluate what matters to them. Now, for most people who are just users of social media, I don't see the um, really need to pay to be on any of these networks. Um, I think this 
only really applies to quote unquote influencers who might be making money off of social media. Why, why is that? Their, well, because they're offering what? What is um, well, offering with with the subscription service? Enhanced account security, more visibility, basically boosting reach, um, getting um, more eyeballs onto your posts. Um, okay. I know Twitter. Twitter does that too, where they'll. Um, their algorithms will put the posts with the check marks you up higher to, oh, okay, so than um, than people who don't pay for Twitter Blue. Um, but I don't. I mean, I wouldn't pay personally for any of these platforms. Actually, no. I would pay to get off of these platforms. Well, Any, all you got to do is uh, put put down the it's narcotic. That's what you need okay? to do. Put it down is. the narcotic. But you know, I think that from from a business standpoint, I think that that that's what you're going to see because as advertisers pair back, oh, yeah. when all these platforms were giving you whatever for free, as the adver- as, as the advertisers start to pair back, yes. they're looking for ways to get revenue. Exactly. And a good source of revenue is subscription-based models. You've talked about that before. During a recession, the first thing companies cut is their ad spending. And yep. obviously, Twitter has seen it. Meta has seen it. But Meta's charging eleven ninety nine for this uh, Meta Verified. That's like the cost of Netflix. Yeah. I'd rather pay for that than pay for... Meta. I'll tell you, the one thing I do like is that you have to confirm your identification. Yes, you you do. You have to. You can't be some. Show your ID. Some troll. Exactly. In in your mother's basement. Sending out hate speech and just trolling people. So I do like that. Mr. Musk doesn't care about that because you can do that all over Twitter. Yes, you You can. You don't need. You can. Cesspools. Yes. No identity. It is. I know. I have to get off. One more. Okay. Many restaurants and hotels in city downtowns are seeing sales come back to pre-pandemic levels. But only on certain days of the week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So if you think about city downtowns, you think about office buildings. So uh, cities like Los Angeles, New York, Atlanta, three-day in-person work weeks have posed challenges to some of these restaurants because if there's fewer workers in offices on Mondays and Fridays, which for some businesses usually was the strongest day, then they don't need to be open on those days. Their revenue's down. Yeah, it's going to be interesting in a lot of these, um, not not just, you know, of course, major cities where, you know, they have the big skyscrapers in the office buildings, mm-hmm. but even, you know, even here locally, um, you yeah. know, Louisville, things, like, things of that nature, where um, if now uh, occupancy rates are half of what they were. Yeah. That has a ripple effect on all the other businesses, businesses around them, mm-hmm. the, the fast food restaurants, the, the sit down restaurants, all hotels of the stuff, hotels, mm-hmm. all the stuff around it, it starts to have a, a ripple effect. So it's going to be interesting to see if this trend continues from a work from home, come into the office whenever you like, um, or on certain days, but not a full five day work week. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how we settle into that. Yeah. And I don't know what the data is on people going back to work. Are people still working from home? Are they going yes. into the office? Is it's, it both? It's, it's, been a, it's, it's yeah. a hybrid. It's, they'll have where you have to be in the office two or Certain three days Mondays. a week, but that but that puts a, a strain on some of those local businesses yeah. that surround a lot of those those business areas. Oh yeah. All right. Well, thank you, D, for that news you can use. And you know what? We got to give the people what they want. They like the news you can use, but what they really like even more. By the way, it's taking uh, the radio world by storm as they like the news you can't use. A California man who has had a customized license plate reading cash, C-A-S-H, cash. Yeah. 
had it registered in his name since 1970, is now selling the plate with the asking price oh boy. of $2 million. All right, N- number one. You that know, is right. Well, mm-hmm. it's like this. Everything, in, in this capital, hey, that's a lot of cash. In this capitalistic society, you have... Um, you know, buyers and sellers, and yes. you have what's called market value. Mm-hmm. I can price anything. I, I can say, you know what, this uh, bracelet I have on right now, you mm-hmm. know what this was going to be worth? I'm, I'm going to sell it for $5 billion. Wow. That doesn't mean you're going to get it. Oh. I bet you. Oh. It, that he doesn't get that because there would have to be a market for somebody wanting a license plate that has cash two million for for and who and by the way what is the market so has he sold it yet well, the answer is probably no supposedly <laughs> he says every time I've traded cars the dealers wanted to buy it from me every car right. dealer he's in San Jose every car dealer in San Jose wanted that plate he's not for two million dollars <laughs> that's what I'm saying you can put a price tag on everything I can second say hey my car I'm selling my car for four million dollars they're like yeah but it's a 1986 brown buick regal marcus and i'm like yeah but i'm yeah i'm i'm still selling it for that i may not get any buyers and i doubt that mr cash won't get any cash well well not two million dollars there's some precedent there's some precedent by the way his name is claude hamrick and he's a retired patent lawyer if that Uh, says anything to you um so license plates have made some lucrative sales in the past delaware which is a state where apparently Low numbered license plates are highly sought after. Who cares? Do you ever look at license plates? Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I look at the stupid vanity plates, like cash on the back, and just shake my head. And yeah, think, oh, stupid guy. Oh, some of them are clever. Some some can be like, clever. The name one clever I one you've think ever of seen, one right? Off because the top it hasn't stuck. Because it doesn't stick. Because you see it and you're like, huh? Really and, but you got to live with that. It's not like a too. license plate. Uh, uh, what is it called? Frame that you can interchange when you have you know something goofy, and then after a while you're like, yeah, that was stupid. That that was my Hello kitty face so yeah. i had a hello kitty frame but i would never get hello kitty stamped on my license oh. plates because then after a while they get so fat and it gets old oh. you know what i mean anyways a plate in delaware <laughs> featuring the number 20 just two zero sold for four hundred thousand dollars in 2018 that is four hundred thousand dollars right and so we're talking about uh two million dollars just like i Correct. said that's insane yes. That is insane. I just also, stay close to that non-nude you can't use because I don't think it's going to work. Where, anyway. where are all these people that have this cash to blow? Like $400,000 <sighs> on, on, on a plate that says 20? That's just stupid. Come on. That is just absolutely stupid. All right, folks. Hey, we know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week. And most importantly, take it easy. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.